You're listening to another football episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns with Banker Bill. Ryan, you should get off the internet. And your guy, Bully Rye. I think it's a brilliant idea. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the penultimate football episode of season five penultimate. of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. Yeah, that's a good word, right? Very uh, good. I love it. I feel like I'm watching every- Formula One. Uh, you know, the first time I ever heard that word was on like Mike and Mike or something like that. It's your guy, Bully Rye, alongside Banker Bill to talk all things football. Meanwhile, I am trying to get this link out to make sure that everybody knows where to find this show uh, to watch and join the conversation with us tonight. Make sure if you are watching live, you leave a comment wherever it is that you're watching to join the conversation. Be it Facebook.com slash Tapouts and Touchdowns, YouTube, uh, Twitter or X, whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, and, and like I said, join the conversation. We had a lot to talk about with football, so much so that we are not uh, we are not taking ads tonight. We are going ad free for the first time in a while to discuss uh, discuss all things football. Bill, what's going on, bud? How's everything on this here Super Bowl preview week? I mean, everything's great, man. I'm excited. I, I actually, uh, I think this was the first time. I mean, for those of you that a little background of the show, Ryan gives me the um, the show agenda every single week well, about usually about what a day in advance about a day yeah, in about advance. A day in advance i gave you know, like kind of what i want to look at morning. yeah yeah we, we talk all week long so so um you know it's not like a surprise to me or anything like that what ryan's gonna give me and this week he gave me more information and i was just like no i don't feel like talking about that like i'm not feeling good about it and i kind of waited till today and just say, how about this? And then you're like, yeah, let's go. So I feel like this is the first time I've ever been in part of the creative process of what's going into the show. Like, I just was like, let's do it. And then, then this week, I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, there's more cool stuff. So cool stuff this week. Yeah, Baker Bill had a lot to do with the show formatting this week. So The first time um, Yeah, so real quick, because it's not going to be part of the, uh, the Homer's Corner this week. I'm going to start the show off saying congratulations to the South Carolina Gamecock men basketball team. <sighs> Finally raked in the top 25, not just top 25, the top 15, the number 15 team in the country. I didn't mention it on last week's show that their win over Tennessee on the road was the first road win over top five teams since 1997. And they're now ranked number 15. It's the highest rank they've had since 1998. I was 11. So congratulations on my Gamecocks. That's why I'm repping the Gamecock gear alongside <laughs> with the fact that the, uh, the team that I'm rooting for in the Super Bowl has two former Gamecocks on that roster but before we get into all the nfl talking again make sure if you want to join the conversation leave a comment whatever it is that you're watching and we'll talk some uh we'll talk some football with you we've got a little bit of college football news college athletics news to get to uh first and foremost steve belichick the son of bill belichick was was an employee a, a coach underneath uh his his dad with the new england patriots for the last few years has been hired by the University of Washington as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, we're going to kind of skip right through it, but Bill, like we, we talked about like the revolving door of coaches and how some guys fail here, get another opportunity there. Uh, but Steve Belichick, uh, I believe he was just like a, a safeties coach or a, some a linebackers coach or something like that, but it, it might be his brother, who knows. Um, but now going to the University of Washington, with their coaching uh, overturn, with with their head coach departing for Alabama. Now Steve Belichick 
is following in his dad's footsteps to become the next defense coordinator at the University of Washington. Big deal or little deal, or are you really could care less about this news? I mean, we're, we're talking about, again, revolving door. Now we're starting to see sons of coaches go into coaching. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Well, I think coaching is just like any other job. It's who you know. Yep. So I kind of feel like he's got the uh, – obviously he's been the play caller, the defensive play caller for the Patriots for I think three years now, they said. And they haven't been bad. Um, how much – I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend – the thing I don't like about talking about these coaching hires is I'm not going to pretend I know what it takes to be a coach. I don't. I've, I've coached youth soccer before for three years. Um, but I, I don't know what it takes to be a football coach. And I don't know what it takes to put together a playbook, a defensive playbook, you know, to strategize against other teams. I don't know what that is. So all I know is he had his dad there. And now he's not going to have his dad there. Now he can reach out to his dad for advice because his dad hasn't taken a job yet. So, um, you know, I, I think it's good for him and hopefully he succeeds. I'm, I am a closet University of Washington fan because I lived up there for 18 years and they were the closest big time college football team to me. So I hope he does well. That's that roster yeah. got picked over though, man. That roster got picked. Oh, like everybody left. Once, once Kalen DeBoer left, they all left. Well, I'm I'm really I I, I want to talk about your your idea like well it Bill Belichick hasn't been put, picked up I kind of want to throw a scenario at you we'll get to that here in a minute the other news story that I wanted to talk about it is it, it impacts college football despite the fact that it comes from a college basketball story a National Labor Relations Board regional manager ruled on Monday that their men's basketball team uh, were quote unquote employees of the school and could vote to form a union now the difference between Dartmouth and I guess the most of the colleges uh, and, and most athletic departments and colleges is that the Dartmouth men's basketball players aren't scholarship basketball players. So there's your big difference is that the Dartmouth kids do not get a scholarship. Uh, and so they, they are, are, they have, it has been ruled until, you know, there's still with a, a, a pending appeal that they can vote to form a union. Now here's the, here's the big issue. Here's the big news to come out of this. If the appeal does not go through and this ruling stands, this now sets a precedent. Despite the fact that they're not scholarship athletes, this sets a precedent for college athletes to, to vote to, to set their own union. The Big Ten and the SEC has recently come out and basically told the NCAA, and I think you mentioned it on last week's show, that if the NCAA isn't going to come together and, and make things work when it comes to NIL and transfer portal, all that stuff, then the Big Big Ten and the SEC have, or it was, yeah, the Big Ten and the SEC have both basically said, you know, if you can't, if you're not going to get it done, we're going to go do it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this news story and the implications that it has on college athletes going forward? I'm going to say the same thing I say every week about the NIL and everything else about college sports at this point, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. Um, the Virginia and Tennessee attorney generals litigated against the NCAA this week, and a judge turned those folks down, saying that the NCAA does have the right to do certain things against NIL. Uh, so it's a mess. It's going to have to go through the court system. There's, I have no idea how they're going to sort this out. It seems like one judge says this, another judge says this, and it doesn't all seem to make sense. I have no idea where they're going with this thing. But I do 
like you said, the Big Ten and SEC have come together and sort of had a form of a group to say that this is a mess. We need to figure something out here. And I'm glad that that's happening, that there are cooler heads that yeah. are prevailing, Some, you know, something where people are actually making a little bit of sense here. But I have no idea where it's going. It, it's hard to even make a judgment on what's happening because it's just it changes daily. Like somebody comes – I mean, what's FSU going to say next week? I, I have no idea because they've been quiet this week. They haven't embarrassed themselves. However – FSU did really good in recruiting. So there's apparently a lot of people that like baby wimpy. I have no idea what FSU was pulling, but they did really, they did have a pretty good recruiting class uh, with, with national signing day. Um, anyway, I have no idea, man. I don't know what to say about NAL except for holy cow. I can't believe we are where we are. Yeah. You, I don't want to say you jumped the gun. National signing days is the next topic we're going to talk about. Yeah. I will say this uh, NIL. I've always agreed with NIL. Uh, as far as players being able to make money. It, but I don't it was, think we it was, thought it would look the way it does. No, of course. So right. so let's be clear. You and I have talked about the fact, and, and we keep reutilizing re this phrase, NIL and the transfer portal without regulation is ruining college athletics. And I think we can still agree on that. However, if you make these athletes now paid employees of the university, now – are you still going to be able to let these kids go out and get NIL deals? And then also now schools are going to have to budget within their athletic department in order to create, and, and, and you're going to have to regulate it. You're going to have to have salary caps like we do in all professional sports, because once they get paid to be employees, they are now professional athletes. They are no right. longer college athletes. They are professional right. athletes representing a, a collegiate organization. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to regulate it. There's going to have to be salary caps so that so that you can create some some sort of uh, parity in it. Because otherwise, a school that's going to have boosters like Alabama, like Texas, they, the same schools that are always like ruling the world of college football, are going to be able to say, okay, well, South Carolina, but South Carolina's budget is let's call it four point five million to pay their players. Ours ours is ten. We can pay it twice what you're going to get paid at South right. Carolina. Or wherever the case is, you need. That's to already to happening, I think. I think that that's happening. I mean, across. kind of, yeah, yeah. So, I, I nevertheless, it's it's a big deal. The, if if this goes through and and this stands, then the precedent that Darth Dartmouth has set by uh, uh, by signifying and, and and solidifying these these athletes as employees uh, could have huge ramifications for college athletics as a whole. Uh, it, it's probably going to take a while for any of it to happen, uh, but it'll still be an interesting development. N next in the world of college football, if you've been living under a rock or did not recognize <laughs> what today was, today was officially National Signing Day Official. in the world of college football, where kids have committed to a university. Uh, the kids that didn't sign an early signing day back in December, well, now these kids have signed with schools and they can report to their, their respective colleges in the summertime to play in the 2024-2025 football season. And coming out of that 24-7 sports recruiting classes gives your top five classes as, as the typical top five that you normally used to see. Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, a little surprising to me, Miami, and Ohio yeah. State. Uh, Bill, it, National Signing Day, especially when I was in college, was something that I looked forward to because I wanted to see where South Carolina would land. Unfortunately, now now again, we had a lot of really good uh, guys come in through the portal, but South Carolina finished out, uh, at least according to 24-7 Sports, as the 22nd best class in the country. 
Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, did you ever get excited for National Signing Day as a Florida fan? Yeah, I think so. Florida traditionally had been a really highly, uh, you know, uh, esteemed team and, you know, a lot of prestige there. And so I think National Signing Day was really fun for me because you got to see really who we pulled. I mean, we were the – Georgia has kind of taken our spot, I feel like, uh, you know, over the last five years, five, eight years, whatever it's been. Uh, that's where we that's where Florida used to be and it was fun to see what kind of players we got now granted I like that they do the rankings I like that they do the stars that's fun it doesn't I mean come on Florida was up there in the top three for so many years with Ron Zook I don't know if you remember Ron Zook and I think his best record was seven and five so it's all about you know uh, it's all about really coaching these kids and actually putting a school together you know a a plan together when they're on the field. Georgia obviously has the the ability to do that. So does Alabama. Actually, do we know if Alabama does? Because they're, you know, new coaching, Uh, but we'll see. I I think it's fun. I mean, the rest of the top 10, it's, it's kind of the, the who's who of college football, right? I mean, you're looking at Texas, obviously now in the sec, LSU, Oklahoma, also in the sec, Notre Dame and Auburn, Auburn. That one, that one surprises me a little bit. Right. Uh, And then you've got Clemson, Florida state, Tennessee, Florida, and Penn state, I will say this, Ryan. Did you notice what school was the uh, the highest? Uh, well, let's call it the lowest overall ranking of their class that had multiple five stars. No, I actually didn't pay attention. And if you're watching the show, YouTube, Facebook, whatever the case is, we've got the ticker going across with your top twenty-five rooting classes. But yeah, no, that's I'm curious to see with with the lowest the lowest. So it's the lowest for... ranked class with yeah. multiple five stars. Who is it? South Carolina. No kidding. Yeah, they have two. They have two five stars. It's like they didn't recruit anybody with five stars and four stars. Florida did the same thing, but uh, you've got two five stars, nine four stars, and only five three stars. That's what pushes a lot of these teams. Is they get like a, who is it? Nebraska has the number eighteen class. They have twenty three three star recruits. Twenty three. Yeah. yeah, we only that's had more than, that's more than we got all, all together. You know, it's. I was going to say we only had we only had sixteen recruits as a whole, but we also signed a lot of guys. Through the uh, through the the transfer, right. that's portal. actually a different ranking, it by the way. Doesn't that's, go that's in, yeah. Ranking. Yeah, it's it it changes. Florida jumps into the top ten with the transfer portal. Yeah, so this is just the recruits that we signed this off season, and yeah, listen to your point. Like it, it is the who's who of college football when it comes to these top twenty five classes. You mentioned Ron Zook had top classes and didn't do anything with it. I mean, uh, Jimbo Fisher is a great example. He had the number one recruiting class in the country. The next year he has a losing season. The next year he gets fired. So despite being able to recruit, you got to be able to convert those recruits to wins on the field. And for a team like Miami, who's now got the number four recruiting class, a team like um, like Notre Dame, who year in and year out, people expect big things and they fall flat on their face. And now a team like Auburn, who's got a top 10, officially a top 10 recruiting class, what are they going to be able to build? off of this recruiting class. And so it'll be interesting to see. We've got, I mean, believe it or not, it is February. We've got spring practices coming around and, and yeah. spring games coming yep. in college football. So exciting stuff coming out of the world of college football. This is normally where we take a break, but we are going to push right through it. Again, if you're watching the show live with us, make sure you join the conversation. Uh, Eric Myers in the chat, he's watching from his rock. I'm not sure what his, what his rock means. If he actually My rock. has has a physical rock in his house or, or he calls his chair or his, his couch rock. rock. Um, I know he's not a Clemson fan, so it's not like he's got a replica of the rock um, in his house. But again, if, if you've got any opinions on anything that we're talking about on the show, join the conversation and we'll read, excuse me, we'll read your comments live choked on the up air. over the rock. Yeah, it choked Come up down. over the rock. Um, let's move on. Nope. 
Yeah, can you smell what the rock is cooking? It's because it's it's choking me up a little bit. Let's go to the NFL because we've got a little a few stories out of the NFL that we're going to talk about real quick. Um, new Washington Commanders head coach Dan Quinn has announced that offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy will not return to the team. Bill, uh, I'm going to mute and cough this this choke that I've got in my throat out real quick. What are your thoughts on the fact that Eric Bieniemy is not going to be retained here in Washington? I find it odd, uh, to be honest. I mean, we, we've heard for years that Eric Bieniemy should be a, a head coach in this league, and and Andy Reid, obviously one of the best coaches of all time, I would say, uh, and obviously very well respected in modern day NFL, has said that Eric Bieniemy is an outstanding coach. But there's got to be something wrong. There, there just has to be something wrong. Either he is terrible in interviews, or people just don't. When when you break down the numbers, they don't look as good as. Maybe we thought they did. I have no idea. I really, I really don't know. I mean, he's won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator with the Chiefs. He goes to the Commanders, and and you had messaged me and said, "Hey, the Commanders had a surprisingly good offense this year, and he was in charge of that, and and still can't get a head coaching job, and now is getting let go and not or not retained as the offensive coordinator with in the Dan Quinn uh, coaching tree, I guess, and on that staff, so." One thing I did look at, though, Ryan, I did notice something. I don't know if I, I do weird stuff like try to find out what stat correlates the most to winning. And I don't know if you know what stat that is. I, I've actually found there are different things like how many like how many rushing yards each team has. Like it basically, if you find out what stat each is more uh, in common with all of the winners from all the games in like history, there's one stat that kind of sticks out that basically you can correlate with. If you win this, you probably won the game. And that stat is yards per passing attempt, which is very odd. It, it's yeah. a weird one. It's a weird one. But the so with that with that being said, and, and like I said, I've gone through. A, so I that's why I like quarterback rating because that's kind of mixed into that as well. Um, but yards per passing attempt is the one that if you look it up, that's the one that that most of the winners uh, you'll see. That's what they won. Washington this year was in the bottom five in yards per passing attempt. That's that's interesting. And Pro Football Focus rated their their receiving core. They rated uh, receiving cores on, I think it was three or four categories. It's like uh, contested catch rating, uh, separation rating, and something else. I think it was three categories. And the Washington Commanders had a top 10 receiving core, but yet mm -hmm. they couldn't get the ball down the field. So yeah. I don't know if that's part of what's I, – I, you look at that and you go, okay, something's wrong with that offense. When you when you see something like yards per attempt, and it just isn't, it was really really bad for the Washington Commanders. So I, I, I'm like I said, the, the reason I say that is because I wonder if you break down the numbers, if Bianami just doesn't look as good as everybody else thinks he does. Uh, Eric Myers thinks that maybe he's just too intimidating, like Mike yeah. Vrabel is. Um, listen, Bianami for a while was thought to be the architect of the offense led by Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this offense. Was a year in and year do you out really believe dominating that? force. I mean, do you with point, Andy Reid there? Do you really believe that Eric Bieniemy, like Andy Reid said, "Hey, listen, I know I'm an offensive guru, but you have eaten at least 47 Twinkies before you walked in this room. I mean, you saw it that he looked like Job of the Hut by the time he left Kansas City. He's actually slimmed down a little bit in Washington. Apparently, there's a Twinkie factory in Washington. But do you really think that Andy Reid just stepped aside and said, "Here, Eric, take it I over"? I don't necessarily think that, but you have to admit that. Between Tyreek Hill and his departure from Kansas City, and then this year, when the offense didn't really pick up until the towards the end of the season, right? That Bienemy had something to do with the offensive production for the Kansas City Chiefs. And like you said, I don't know if Bienemy doesn't interview well, 
if he's just not a likable guy. But considering, I, I know the stat that you threw out there about passes, you know, a, a, a yards per attempt uh, from a passing standpoint. But people very, very quietly, like, fell in love with the offense behind, um, and why can't Sam, Sam Howell in Washington? And the right. crazy thing to think about it is that Sam Howell may not be the quarterback in Washington next year. We'll get to that in a second, too. But yeah, I don't know what what the deal is with Eric Bieniemy. He's not. He's currently unemployed. Most of the uh, of the coaching vacancies have been filled. Um, Mama, uh, Mama Frick wants to know if you have a cap collection because you're with a New York Rangers hat tonight instead of your your Rutgers or Miami or, or actually Seattle, whatever the case is. Um, so I probably have about sixty or seventy of them. I'm curious to know where Eric Bieniemy ends after the season's over. If he winds up as a as an offensive analyst. Maybe he goes to college. Maybe he go. Maybe he winds back up in Kansas City. I don't know, but it's interesting to note that that the new coach Dan Quinn uh, decided like it was his first order of business that Eric Bieniemy's out of here. Uh, we talked about coaches and where they're going to wind up next year. Well, we know one thing: as of right now, the quote unquote greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick, and Mike Vrabel, neither got hired for a job. In this coaching cycle, I don't know if they applied for coordinator jobs. I don't know if they were just going for head coaching jobs, but all the head coaching vacancies in the NFL have been filled. Do and you, these two guys don't have a coach. If you're Bill Belichick, do you apply? Do you have to sit down like in the GM's office and they ask you like if you have ever been arrested or convicted of a felony or anything? I mean, is, is, are, you said that they applied for, for coordinator. I'm like, do they? No, I don't know. If what's your middle initial? Jobs. What's your social security number? Like, do you think that actually happens or they just call him up? I mean, imagine. I would imagine somebody called them, but like, so, so my my pers- my point is, like, did people say, "Hey, we want you to come be our co- defensive coordinator," and they were both like, "Pass," because I'm going to get a head coaching job. Now they don't have a. Now there's no head. Co- now there's no head coaching jobs available. Well, I read an article that Belichick was offered the head coaching job for the Falcons and turned it down. I mean that it might be because there was way too much of a rebuild that needed to be done, and he doesn't plan on coaching for a long time. Right. Yeah, um, I, I wonder what that those conversations. It's always nice to be a fly on the wall, right? Or to want yeah. to be a fly on the wall. Those conversations have been, especially since there were two interviews between those teams. And if the truth is that he turned it down, I would love to have heard what those conversations were like. Like you have Desmond Ritter, I can't work with that, but we'll give all the money to you in in my bank account. But you have Desmond Ritter, I can't work with that. You have Kyle Pitts, he's not as good as we thought he was going to be. We do have Bijan Robinson. You're like, I mean, I wonder how that went down. Like, how do we yeah. get how do we get a quarterback? How can we how can we convince Tom Brady to come out of retirement? Like, that's what they were trying to do, probably something like that. But um, imagine the Bill Belichick actually turned it down after two interviews. That that's pretty crazy. Do you think we we talked about his son going to Washington? Do you think maybe he joins Washington as like a defensive analyst, like Will Muschamp did at the University of Georgia when he got blank can from South Carolina? I don't know how close. I mean, I don't know. Would, I mean, that's interesting. That's it. Or maybe he just wants, he's 70, what, 71 years old. Maybe he just wants to not do football. I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, how about, how about Mike Vrabel real quick? Um, our friend Eric actually mentioned privately that there were rumors that people weren't, people weren't fans of Mike Vrabel because he's too big, like physically too big to be a head coach, too imposing. Maybe people are scared of Mike Vrabel. Uh, I mean, that's, listen, that's ridiculous my, with all the ex linebackers that are coaches right now. No, come on, I, come on. I agree. Mike Vrabel had success in Tennessee until the last two years, where last, where in two years ago season, 
they were they were in the lead and lost their division at the end of the season to the Jags. And this year, the Titans just weren't good. Uh, do you think Mike Vrabel finds himself as, as a head coach in the NFL again, ever? I think he wasn't a bad head coach. I, I think the first couple seasons that he got, he brought Tannehill in, which was, I mean, I think they traded a fourth-round draft pick to the Dolphins for Tannehill, which was kind of surprising. But Tannehill had two amazing years in his first two years in Tennessee. What I mean, what happened at Tennessee was they lost quarterback play. Tannehill started to play like Tannehill used to play, and they drafted like 42 quarterbacks, and none of them worked out. So, I mean, Malik Willis didn't work out. Obviously, Will Levis was pretty average this year. I mean, he did some nice things, but was just a rookie. So he's they lost quarterback play and lost games. It's, I think, yeah, he could end up as a, as a coach somewhere else. It, if your quarterbacks don't play worth a darn, you're not going to win games. That's just that's the reality. So he he just couldn't find uh find somebody to to play under center. Well, it's funny you mentioned Ryan Tannehill because he is an upcoming pending free agent in this offseason, and that's what we're going to talk about next when it comes to NFL uh, free agency. Every it seems like every single year that we watch the NFL offseason, free agency gets crazier and crazier. There are some really big names available in free agency. If I am not going to read all the names that I have going across the ticker. But if you are watching live or if you're watching a replay of the show on facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns, our YouTube channel or Twitter or X, there are a ton of names that will be scrolling across the bottom of the screen of players who are listed to be free agents uh, going into this offseason. Tannehill being one of them. And uh, your daughter is is saying that I said Ryan Tannehill. Uh, listen, he says Tannehill. He can't yeah. say Tannehill correctly. It's it's it's. Listen, there was a Steve Tannehill that played for South Carolina, so that's where I get it from. Steve Tannehill was care. the first quarterback to uh, to win a bowl game at South. All Carolina. All right, Ryan Fright. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't you do that to me, um, Bill? Do you, of the free agents that are out there right now, does, are there any that stand out to you that you? Oh think yeah. That, like what? What? What kind of guys do you see that's out there that are going to be big targets in the in the well, uh, in the off season? And where where do you see some of these guys winding up? First of all, let's just analyze free agency very quickly. Right now, these guys are free agents. Obviously, the teams are going to try to take every opportunity to sign some of these players that they cannot lose, or they'll get franchise tags. So, not all of these guys are going to hit the open market. Secondly, secondly, I was told by a friend that knows football very well back in the day that if you allow a player to get uh, like anywhere near free agency where you've lost the signing period, you know, where you, there's a re-signing period that's going to happen. If they, if you don't get a sign, guy signed by then, they are gone. Like, don't expect them to sign back with your team once they hit the open market because somebody's going to throw the bag at them, okay? So those are the two things about free agency. With that being said, man, there are some seriously high-level dudes out there right now. Kirk Cousins, get out of here. That guy wins a Super Bowl on the right team. I'm saying that you, right now. Do you think he, he you don't think he finds his way back to Minnesota next year? I mean, they need to they need to tag him again. They've they run him through the ringer when it comes to contracts and whatnot, and all he does is perform. I mean, the guy has like a career hundred and some passer rating. Is Kirk Cousins the most franchise tag quarterback in NFL has history? To has to be. I mean, how many years did he play on the franchise tag? Like they hit the limit. You can only you can only franchise tag a guy so many years in a row. I think it's three. And Eric, they did that. Eric Eric thinks that that's fake news that, that Cousins could win a, a Super Bowl on the right team. Uh, um, I disagree. Uh, let's see. You said you talked about Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, the free agent, Gardner. Listen, you mentioned you mentioned Baker Mayfield. Sorry, calm I'm down. Really, calm I, down. I say, no, no. no. <laughs> it's funny 
that the coaches that are now in Carolina were the ones that made Baker Mayfield look like a pro bowler in Tampa. Right, right. And Baker Mayfield was already in Carolina at one point. Do you think there's a possibility no. that the no, Panthers they were hired to play They were at? hired with a specific intent to, to develop Bryce Young. That, that, no way. I don't think he goes back to Carolina. But let's let's keep going. Gardner yeah, Minshew's available. Just, Gardner Minshew yeah. is in the Pro Bowl. He's available. Uh, other than that, I'm not that excited. Tyrod Taylor, I like Tyrod Taylor, but he's the tenth, the tenth rated running back. If you need a running back this season, and these guys don't get signed, there's so many, so many. Saquon Barkley, so Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, who just got had a major injury, but he should be okay. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who kind of had a resurgence a little bit in New England, and uh, Devin Singletary. Like it's Who unbelievable. Led the league like, in rushing. Like it was the, th- the number three running back the last half of the season. Kareem Hunt and Deontay Foreman are also out there. It's in- it's insanity. Zach Moss from the Indianapolis Colts, who was really good at while uh, what's his name was injured. Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan uh, Taylor. Was Jonathan Taylor. Player. Yeah. Um, so the, if you need a running back, there's plenty going to likely a lot of those guys are going to hit the market uh, because so they're before look, hold on money. before you yeah. move on because we we talked about running backs in the league in the past. Yeah, and there are a lot of. Pro Bowl talent running backs that are available in free this year. The problem is that last year, none of these guys could get re-signed for big money by the teams they were on. The highest paid running back in the NFL offseason last year was Miles Sanders to the Carolina Don't want to talk Panthers, about and we saw how that wound yeah. up. Yeah. Do we think that any of these running backs, and I'm looking at Josh Jacobs, I think Derrick Henry's on the decline. I've been saying that for two years. But Saquon Barkley, I believe you think that he's on the decline. Do you think any of these guys that are Pro Bowl talent running backs will wind up somewhere where they're getting paid well enough that they deserve from just what they've already been able to produce on the field? Or do you think that some of these guys go unsigned because nobody wants to pay big money for running backs in the NFL? Quickly, there's a comment there from my daughter find, trying to find out what a franchise tag is. Franchise tag means you're going to pay. Oh, yeah. a, if you franchise oh. tag somebody, it automatically puts them under contract and you have to pay them the average of the top five players at their position. That's what a franchise tag is. You you get them under contract without them even choosing whether or not they can leave or not. You just say, you're staying on our team, but you have to pay them big money. Anyway, back to what you're saying. Do I see somebody pay, getting paid big money? I think two names you're going to have to – well, three really. I think Saquon Barkley is going to get paid. He spent a lot of time on the injured list, but when he's – when he <laughs> see, and Katie says, yeah. dang, that is a lot. Yeah. Uh, Saquon Barkley is a good player. I don't. I think he's got tread on the tires. Josh Jacobs, if I if, you, if I remember correctly, he's two two seasons removed or one season removed from winning the NFL rushing title. I mean, yeah. yikes. Eric could tell you, he's, as a Raiders fan, Eric could tell you if that's true or not. Austin Eckler is one season removed from being the number two guy in fantasy. Like, yes. Is, is he done? No, I don't think so. Derrick Henry's old, but the dude played well this year. Uh, Tony at Pollard, times, I don't know. He was love. very inconsistent. And DeAndre Swift, this was his first year being healthy, and he was fantastic. So... I mean, gosh, man, J.K. Dobbins is a good running back. I, it's crazy. It, that that J.K. Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins stays hurt, but like you said, DeAndre Swift had a, finally a full year of being healthy. Do you think any of these guys wind up back where they were last year, specifically DeAndre Swift, because Swift found success in 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 Philadelphia that he never had in Detroit? Do you see any of these running backs going back to the teams that they started their careers with? I think three teams, three teams have to sign the, these players. I think Saquon Barkley needs to stay with the New York Giants. I think they'd be nuts to let him walk. I mean, you don't pay running backs. Running backs aren't getting paid that much. I think you, I think you tag Saquon if you need to. Uh, Josh Jacobs, probably same thing. You, how can you let this guy go? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler needs to stay with the Chargers. He's he's like the guy that makes their offense run. When when he was hurt this last season, their offense stunk. Like it was yeah. not good. 
Eric says that the Raiders got have Zamir White if Jacobs walks, but yes, won the rushing title two seasons ago and missed four games hurt this year. So um running backs get hurt from time to time, but he has he's never had an injury history and and I think he's got to stay. But let's let's continue because it it, can, yeah. it really does keep moving. And you know the thing is with these free agents is that you don't want to see your team show up very often on the tops. Like these are the top ten players in each position. In the next two positions, the Dolphins have the first or second player in these lists. It's freaking awesome. Connor Williams, the number one center available, Miami Dolphins. Uh, Andre James, I mean, we don't know these people. Uh, Tyler, say that be at, be that. Well, let's just call him Tyler Badass because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> can't say that name. Uh, but there's a lot of dudes available in centers. Dolphins obviously have the highest. That sucks. Uh, and then the guard, Kevin Zeitler from the Ravens. He's fantastic. But Robert Hunt, number two for Miami Dolphins. Joe Runyon Jr. I mean, there's players out there, right? Um, oh, by the way, the uh, the 12th overall player for uh, the for guard is Isaiah Wynn, the other Dolphins starting guard. Great. Yeah. That's four. Pl- there's four players on these lists from the Miami Dolphins offensive line. I'm really excited about the offseason. Uh, offensive tackle Tyron Smith, Dallas Cowboys. That guy's a franchise player. So, oh look, hey, we got we got in studio. You see us in studio. I'm not even. I, I, as God is my witness, I thought somebody was in my house. <laughs> I got scared out of my mind. Wait. I thought somebody walked into my house. I'm like, oh my God, who was in my house? Because nobody comes <laughs> I here. You, I saw you look. Oh my God, I got uh, so scared. Stuff. Like I had a ghost in my house. Banker Bill Senior is in the house. That's right. Uh, continue, continue on, Bill. Holy crap! Uh, yeah. So that offensive tackle, you've got some good players. Really good players at offensive tackle. Obviously, Miami has one on that list again at number six at Austin Jackson. Uh, tight end, uh, Dalton Schultz, your guy yeah. that you thought last year was going to have a fantastic season for the Houston Texans. He's out there. Noah Fant, he was nah. Uh, Hunter Henry, I, I think actually with former tight first end. round talent Noah ta- Noah Fant though, true, Traded true, but didn't have a great season get, in Seattle. He never, yeah. yeah, he never. Well, he didn't have a great season in Denver either. He was involved in that trade yeah, that took Russell that, Wilson to Denver. That's right. And there's a there's a possibility that Russell Wilson become can, will become available because Denver doesn't want to pay him, and they have a deadline that we're, in which they have to cut him. So Russell Wilson might be available in free agency this season. Yeah, it's crazy and, to think about. And then wide receiver gets really exciting again. You ready for oh, these? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm a well. I'm, the number one I know is Mike Evans because I want him to come. No, to Carolina. it's actually not listed as number one. This is this is Pro Football Focus, so so super okay. super highly respected. Okay, the number one wide right receiver right. is considered to be T. Higgins. I think oh, it's because yeah, of his age. I think I think he's well, coming off a rookie contract. Uh, number two is Mike, Michael about, Pittman. Hold on, what's crazy to think about the fact that T. Higgins is going to be a free agent, but so is Tyler Boyd. So yeah, two of the top three receivers in Cincinnati are set to be free agents. Cincinnati's yeah. got some work to do. Continue. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Not not like Miami does, though. Miami's a, a, a dumpster fire of all Everywhere else fire. but receiver. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Michael Pittman. Mike Evans is actually number three. Marquise Brown, number four. Calvin Ridley's number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Mooney from the Bears. He is number six. Tyler Boyd, you talked about him. Gabe Davis is out there from the Buffalo Bills. He's the eighth-rated wide receiver. Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. I don't know why he's on this list because the guy doesn't play football anymore. No, uh, he's he always injured. And then DJ Shark from the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if he should be on the list. So I guess, so I guess it falls off after about eight. But if you need a wide receiver, it falls off after like five. Ah, Gabe Davis, no, pretty solid. Big play it, game. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, listen. When it comes yeah. to when it comes to running backs and it comes to wide receivers, you've got some big names out there. Um, of these yeah. wide receivers, I think you've got you've got to if you're Cincinnati, you've got to re-sign T Higgins. You need T. Higgins on the other side of the field from from, from uh why well, can I don't want to say I keep want to say Chase Young. That's not that's not his name. Uh Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Um, yeah. you, you gotta have him on the other side of the ball. 
when it comes to um, when it who was uh, Mike Mike Evans, I don't think he winds up in Tampa Bay, uh, especially because we we already don't know who's going to be quarterback because Baker Mayfield's on the market. Kyle Trask, um, baby, let's go, let's go. So it's got to be, got to be. I, yeah, there's some there's some big name wide receivers that are out there. That's yeah. That's that's it's sort of uh, interesting to see where they're going to wind up. Um, I do want to mention. Right. Yeah, let's let's keep going. Let's, let's, let's go to defense where Miami lands another top two player on one of these lists. I love it. It's a great offseason we're going to have here. Uh, Chris Jones, number one interior defender. That guy is a game changer. Yeah, we saw what happened. We saw what happened with the Chiefs when they didn't have Chris Jones in Week One against the Lions, uh, when they couldn't get pressure on Jared Goff and they lost Week One. Uh, to the Detroit Lions, but yeah, but, but I know Christian Wilkins. I think is number two on that list. Number two, Christian former, Wilkins, former Clemson, former Clemson Tiger, now Miami Dolphin, Mister Mister uh, Oil Check himself, Christian Wilkins. You know, he brings up something odd to me. You know what irritates me, Ryan? What's when that? a player is in their contract year and they play way better than they ever had in any season prior to their contract year, and Christian Wilkins is the poster boy for that this season. Christian Wilkins has 20 and a half sacks in four seasons in football. Nine of them came this season when he's playing for a contract. That I wonder what happened right. to those other three. Huh? I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's typical of any player in the NFL. I mean, they, they, they're sort of consistent, but when they're ready to go get paid, they're going to show up and show out, and plenty of nah. guys have done it. You know, Joe Flacco is a prime example of that. He has a career playoff run. In route to a Super Bowl, 117 pass the Ravens, yeah, and doesn't do anything since because Joe Flacco is garbage. I said that on the absolute premiere premiere episode of the show. I went on a 20 minute rant about how bad Joe Flacco was, <laughs> and he awful. is the poster child for playing well in a contract year. All right, so more interior defenders: Leonard Williams from Williams from the Seattle Seahawks, Justin Matabuike. I think he was a Pro Bowler this year. I think he had over 10 so. sacks for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I mean, after that, Grover Stewart, DJ Reader, Sheldon Rankin, Fletcher Cox. I mean, there, there's other people out there. Um, edge defenders, Josh Allen from the Jacksonville. Not not the Josh Allen that chokes in the not playoffs. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen for the Jacksonville Jaguars is the number one edge defender. Brian Burns, Carolina Panthers is out there. And Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, I think, had a really good season for the Minnesota Vikings this year. Chase Young, a guy really that we haven't seen meet his pretend, potential. Coming out of Ohio State, everybody thought that guy was going to be a world beater, and he really hasn't been that great. I think his best year is seven and a half sacks his rookie season. So now he has been banged there. up. He has been banged up. And that doesn't matter. That means you're not playing. Well, there's rumors that he was taking plays off in San Francisco. Um, so I'll be interested. Listen, I would love to see yeah. a guy like Chase Young wind up in Detroit. That'd be awesome for me. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. Carolina Panthers land on the top of the next list as well. Uh, Frankie Louvu. Top linebacker, Levante David's available, led the, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner. Some old guys, yeah. Devin White. Frankie the one Lou that's led the, number seven, Patrick Queen. That's a young guy. Good. Yeah. He is good. Some of the, even, even the peanut uh, gallery likes him. So uh, I do want to mention the Carolina Panthers real quick because their best two defensive players, in my opinion, are both free agents in Frankie Lubu and Brian Burns. Brian Burns led the Panthers in sacks this year. Despite this, the Panthers were bottom five of the league in sacks. Um, they had 27 sacks. That might have been dead last in the league. Brian Burns had eight of those sacks. And Frankie Louvu led the team in tackles with 125. I'm not sure that's a record for, for linebackers in the NFL. But nevertheless, both of those guys are free agents. Now, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning that Ezra Ibero is returning to the Carolina Panthers as the defensive coordinator. It was announced earlier this week. 
Brian Burns was an advocate and after the season was over. He said, whatever, whatever, whatever coach comes in to take over for the Panthers, you need to leave the defense alone. Like we got, <laughs> they had a, they had a which, decent which, defense, which tells me that Brian Burns wants to come back to Carolina. So I'm looking at you, David Tepper. I'm looking at you, Dan Morgan. <laughs> Don't look at done. David Tepper. Don't look at David Tepper. In your Carolina gear, he'll probably throw a drink on you. Get it done. Sign Brian Burns. Sign Frankie Louvu. I want to mention real quick because we got we got to move on from the from the, the free agents because there's so many of them. Um, a former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore from the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry uh, Sneed in the Super Bowl right now. He's uh, yeah. he's going to be a cornerback that's available. Yep. Um, and so, Ooh, how uh, many of these are going to get grabbed or tagged? That's what I want to know. You got to imagine a good bit of them. I, I I'd yeah. like to see again selfishly. I'd like to see a guy like Stephon Gilmore come over to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Christian Wilkins is going to be a get for anybody. They're going to tag him. Pay him. Um, I, yeah, I, I've got a feeling Wilkins is going to get tagged. Yeah. If anything, I think that the Panthers may tag Brian Burns. Um, if, again, I think that the biggest, the biggest players that need to be re-signed by their team, I'm with you. I think Saquon or the Giants need to find what they can do to, to, to re-sign Saquon. I think the Chiefs need to sign, uh, re-sign Chris Jones. Um, I think the, the Vikings are going to fall further and further back from their, their potential without a guy like Kirk Cousins. And I think the Bengals need to do what they can to keep T. Higgins. I mean, that's that's just a matter of there's there's so many players, Bill. I mean, we we could do a whole show on the number of free agents and where they go. Um, but you as as an NFL team looking to build through free agency this year, I think the point of this segment that we've done on NFL free agency was that if there was ever a year to get a big time player in free agency, this is it because there are plenty yeah. of them out there to go get. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. But can I do a little bit more comedy here? Yeah, sure. So on the rankings of quarterback, we went over the ones that we thought were kind of like, ooh, with Kirk Cousins and, and Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew out there. Do you know who's rated number two? Josh Dobbs. Josh, Josh. Dobbs. Over Dobbs? Ryan Tannehill, James Winston, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Tyler Huntley. Josh Dobbs, number two. How did Pro Football Focus mess that one up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if James Winston has a job next year. He might I be just, working at Publix. Hey, hey, have, he can't have, work there. He'll steal the crab legs. I was going to say, have him put him in the seafood department. I <laughs> don't seafood. Oh, man. Um, You're so bad. That's yeah, so Baker bad. A, a lot of good talking about some of the free agents available. Again, a lot of guys out there. Uh, free agency, the offseason is going to get really wild in the NFL. It's also going to get really wild when it comes to the college football players coming in. Let's start off with the Senior Bowl that took place last weekend. A couple of quick notes out of the Senior Bowl. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to bring this up. But yeah. it's a it's worth noting, uh, Spencer Rattler, quarterback yeah. from my South Carolina Gamecocks, he only he only threw four passes, but he got Senior Bowl MVP from this week. A lot of defensive backs because he was heads. perfect. Yeah, it was four for four for sixty five uh, yards. It wasn't just yeah. dink and dunk. It was a good yeah. amount of yards as well. Uh, so um, you had some defensive backs turn heads. Evan Williams from Oregon, I think it's Chow. Smith Wade from Washington State made a couple or made made uh, some miraculous interceptions. I believe Smith Wade uh, had a diving interception and real, didn't realize it was NFL rules and picked it up and took it 83 yards the other way. Um, and he had some uh, some some other defensive tackles. Uh, Braden Fisk in particular had four tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. All this coming from NFL.com and their their uh, breakdown of the Senior Bowl. Uh, Bill, I didn't get a chance to watch this. I think you did. Uh, I think the big question we had coming out of this was, does the Senior Bowl help or hurt 
draft stock for some of these players. I think I've seen in one mock draft, we're going to get to that as well, that Spencer Rattler was going in the third round, believe it or not, to the Seattle they, Seahawks. They said it had probably helped him about a round. Uh, because so, obviously we knew that Spencer Rattler coming out of well high school when he was recruited, the expectation was he was going to develop into a, a first-round draft pick. Obviously, it's been a rocky road for him in college football. Uh, but I feel like he's matured a lot, and he played really well in the Senior Bowl. And was we talked about it. He was not good at the early part of practice, a lot of inconsistencies. And he wasn't very good in practice, but he played really well in the game. It looked like he was in control of the offense, and, and they said he threw with anticipation. So that's really good for him. He's jumped up probably around. But, yes, the Senior Bowl can definitely – I almost feel like sometimes it can hurt you more than help you. But the reality was I don't think it really helped a lot more – a lot of people versus a lot of people just kind of stayed pat. All the other offensive players, especially the quarterbacks, I look at the quarterbacks the most because this year with Bo Nix, you had Sam Hartman, you had Joe Milton, you had Michael Penix. Michael Penix didn't play in the game, but he wasn't great in the practices. So none of those guys other than Spencer Rattler, when it comes to the most important position in football, made money this week. And, and I think yeah. – well, you know, I, I think that's important, but – at the same time, I think there are other players that when they show out, one of the ones I remember, do you remember David Johnson played for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, running back. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, running back. So he was he played for Northern Iowa, and nobody knew who he was until the senior bowl. And he just he tilted the field in his favor in that game. It looked really good and then ended up having a pretty good career, at least for a few years. You know, the running back small window, yeah. right? Four or five years. But he had a really good career for a short time, and, and nobody knew who he was until he was played in that, that senior bowl game. So you might see some guys that that kind of happened with again this season. But most importantly, I think the thing that was the best part of the, the whole week for me was knowing how much better Spencer Rattler played in the game than you know than he was in practice because we laughed pretty hard last week when I told you how terrible he was uh, in yeah. the practice games. Or pra- the, um, the previous practices. If you're, well, if you're the, watching the, the peanut, peanut gallery is here, yeah. Gotta go, yeah, Billy. Billy. <laughs> If you're watching the show live with us or watching the replay, uh, Bankerville Senior in the background coming to coming to join uh, join our conversation about about all this. I, I'll, I'll say one thing: uh, the Senior Bowl can help or hurt. Uh, it hurt a kid from LSU with defensive lineman was losing a battle on on a pass rush and ripped off an offensive lineman's helmet and threw, almost basically threw it at him. Um, that's not going to look good when it comes no. to getting scouted for the NFL draft. So the Senior Bowl, like you said, it can it can. It can introduce yourself to some some NFL draft scouts, or it can it can really you know turn them away from you. Uh, so if you haven't, didn't get a chance to watch that game, I'm sure it's available on ESPN somewhere that you can go back and rewatch it. Um, we're going to talk one more thing about the NFL and, and college football before we get into some Super Bowl talk and Pro Bowl talk, really. And that's the 2024 NFL draft. Um, a lot of a lot of big names uh, in, coming into this draft. Uh, there's a lot of rumors and innuendo about where guys are going to wind up. The biggest uh, is coming out of Washington. Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, was originally slated to be the offensive coordinator in Vegas. Uh, turned that job down and is now going to Washington. He coached Caleb Williams in college. And so now there are, the biggest rumor is that the, the, the Washington commanders are going to do whatever it takes to ensure the fact that they get quarterback Caleb Williams from Southern Cal but there's a lot of other players out there. Um, the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels out of LSU. Uh, you mentioned Drake May a minute ago, quarterback out of North Carolina. Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, will be the number one wide receiver off of the board. Brock Bowers, tight end uh, extraordinaire. I believe Brock Bowers will have a better NFL career than uh, your guy that you mentioned earlier, Kyle Pitts, uh, from the tight end position. 
a lot of big name guys. And again, same thing. If you're watching the show live, we're not going to go through all the names, but a lot of big guys that are that are expected to go uh, somewhere in the top three rounds. There's pundits that are already doing their mock drafts. I saw one earlier today that went through three rounds. Um, and again, it had Spencer Rattler going in the third round to the, the Seahawks. It had also had our uh, the Gamecocks wide receivers able to get going in the second, despite Mel Kuyper's giving him a top 10 overall grade. Bill, um, does the NFL draft get the same love that it got a few years ago? I feel like it, at one point, like the NFL draft was can't miss. Does it still have that feel for you? Or has it sort of lost its luster over the year, considering that they're, they've now got it on the road, it goes to different cities? How do you feel about the NFL draft and some of the players that are coming out available this year? I think it's my favorite time of year, to be honest. No kidding. Oh, I love, well, at least for the NFL. I mean, you, now remember, I'm a Dolphins fan, so for the last 20 years, we've been terrible when we actually had to play the game of football. But at least in the draft, we could try to get that right, and you have no idea if you did got it right until next, you know, August, basically. But I love it. I think it's fantastic. I love trying to figure out what people are going to do. I love the speculation of the pundits and and the you know the experts of what people are going to do. And you said the biggest news with you know Caleb Williams being drafted to the Washington Commanders. That's interesting because Washington sitting at number two would have to trade up to number one to get Caleb Williams. And that all is going to matter. What the, the Chicago Bears is going to make it. To, what are they doing with Justin Fields? Do they feel like they should keep Justin Fields? What, I mean, that is, I think that's the biggest thing that's going around right now is what what's going to happen with Justin Fields, what people are willing to do. Latest news on that is that the Bears are willing to trade him for a second-round draft pick is what I've been reading. Um, and then they would go out and get Caleb Williams. Who knows? It's also, knows? A rumor that Ka- it's also been rumored that Caleb Williams has explicitly said that he does not want to go to Chicago. So, I, you yeah. know, like I said, who knows? Uh, I mean, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Do you want to go to Chicago? Oh, it sounds so much fun to play in Chicago. Do you want to go to Washington? Like, really? Do you really want to go? They don't even know what their team name is going to be in three years. Uh, are you going to Do you gonna go play for the Patriots? Because they look fantastic this year. And then you end up with, with that Tom Brady pressure. I, that's that's the third overall pick. What's amazing to me is the draft, the uh, mock draft that I saw, that you had three quarterbacks going one, two, three. I'm surprised by that. I'm not, I'm not surprised that there are quarterbacks going one, two, three. But in this draft, with a player like Marvin Harrison Jr. out there, as much as respect that he's as he's been getting for his position, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that, like I said last week, he's going number one to the Bears. I really think that that's still going well. It looks like it's not going to happen. They're probably going to trade that pick, but we'll see what. It, this is more fun for me, Ryan. I love the speculation around the, the NFL draft. Where do you see a guy, if, if Marvin Harrison doesn't go to Chicago or doesn't get number one overall, what team do you think needs to do everything in their power to go get a wide receiver like Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of teams that need to do everything in their power to go get a, a player like Marvin Harrison Jr. If you have a quarterback you believe in and you think that you – He's going to be a good quarterback, but he needs weapons around him. That's where you need to go find Marvin Harrison Jr. I, honestly, I haven't really thought about it. But in the draft I'm looking at, they have him going number four to Arizona, which would give Kyler Murray a interesting yeah. piece. That's he hasn't really had much. Yeah, you had yeah. DeAndre Hopkins for a while that didn't really, didn't really produce a lot yeah. in Arizona. I mean, not as much as he did. He was getting um, old. Houston. Uh, and then obviously Hollywood Brown leaving Arizona this year. I can see that. I uh, listen. In my opinion, I think if you're New England, 
you go get Marvin Harrison Jr. because they haven't had a solid number one wide receiver uh, really since Randy Moss. And even before that, it's been longer than that. Because you can argue any of those receivers, whether it's Julian Edelman, uh, Wes Welker, any of those guys. Deion whoever, Branch. Like, yeah, Deion Branch was the, the name that, I, that was eluding me. I think the Patriots need to go out and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Interesting. And then, it, and then in the second round, go get a quarterback, whether it's a Spencer Rattler, whether it's a Michael Penix Jr., Regardless of who it is, there's going to be quarterbacks available in the second round that are going to be better than what the Patriots had this season. Uh, with uh, and I, it's it's so it's it's so forgettable that I can't even say his name, uh, Mac Jones in uh, New England. Real quick, let's touch on the fact that as we talked about it last week, the Pro Bowl games came and went. Yeah, uh, some some games and uh, fun and games on Thursday, some fun and games on Sunday, including four quarters of flag football. If you're watching, we're not going to go through the breakdown because we got to get to some Super Bowl talk. Um, if you're watching the show live or in the, the replay on video, all of their the points, uh, the way that the, the, the NFC and AFC scored points will be scrolling across the ticker on the bottom of the screen. Uh, competitions from dodgeball to tug of war, again, to the four quarters of the flag football game. They had some skills challenges during halftime in this game, and it looked like the AFC was going to be able to overcome losing all of the skill challenges based <laughs> on the, the flag football game and could not do it. The NFC gets a 64 to 59 win in the Pro Bowl games. Bill, did you get to watch any of this and did you enjoy it as much as I did? Because I thoroughly enjoy seeing some of this stuff. No, I, I really, I really didn't watch any of honestly. I what did I watch? Uh Thursday, I feel like I missed everything. I did. I, I watched it. I watched the replay Sunday. Sunday morning oh, we played everything. Okay, yeah, I, I did watch. Um, I did watch some of the flag football, uh, mainly because there were quite a few. The Dolphins had a pretty good team this year, so there were quite a few Dolphins playing in the game. So I was just out there watching. I, Tyreek got to throw the peace sign, which he gets flagged on when he plays in games now, but he was able to do it in the Pro Bowl. Um, I was happy about that. Uh, Tua looked good, and it, yeah, some of that stuff was fun. So, uh, but I, honestly, man, I couldn't do it. I could. I just felt fake. You know what I think would be better. Is if they moved it back to Hawaii, I think that just seeing Hawaii and everything makes it feel like the Pro Bowl. When you see Orlando and Camping yeah, World Stadium, like it just doesn't it doesn't hit the same. It's like I uh, agree, it, the Pro Bowl should never be in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> there are plenty of better places that you can have the Pro Bowl games at. Listen, I enjoy it. If you remember the show uh, Guts or Global Guts, yes. they have different like yes. like challenges and stuff. That's what this reminds me of. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy watching the players that I watch every week play NFL games in like fun little games. I think you could do away with some of it. Um, the, the, the golf, the closest to the pin, you just need to have like a golf, like a golf tournament, a one day golf tournament. Uh, you can run it on ESPN two, whatever the case is, and just watch some guys play golf. If that's what you want to do. Right. Some of these skills, some of these skill challenges uh, become sort of redundant. And like, like they had a, a center, I forgot what it was called, but where the centers were trying to snap into uh, little targets, yeah. and Jason Kelsey was only going for five, and he got one of them, but that was the only point he scored. And he gets up, he says, "Damn it!" <laughs> Everybody on the on the on commentary just started cracking up at it. But listen, you can there there is room for improvement, but they are on the right track with the Pro Bowl games, in my opinion. There are plenty of um, there are plenty of of people out there like experts that think this is the most unwatchable thing in football. Um, and I couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't disagree harder. There are so there, there, there are room. There's room for improvement, uh, but if if they get it right, it could feel like an NBA All Star Weekend, 
And I think that's probably the problem is that they do it. They do it at the end of the year instead of the middle of the season. Like every other, yeah. every other league does their, their all-star stuff in the middle of the season. And yeah. the NFL is the only one that does it in between, uh, you know, the championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. So maybe, what, maybe that's what they fix. What I did watch, what I did watch a lot of is uh, the Miami Dolphins media team, obviously being a Dolphins fan, uh, the Miami Dolphins media team gave Tyreek Hill the opportunity to go around and interview players like Sauce Gardner. He would just walk up to people with a little microphone and just be like, hey, what's up? And they'd start talking to him. Tyreek Hill is nuts. He's nuts. And that was fun. To, like for me to see his personality was fun to watch. I think that's I watched more of that than I did of the Pro Bowl games was Tyreek Hill being goofy because he's nuts. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing at all. Good stuff. And we can we can again, we can build off of it. All right, Bill. We have reached the time of the night where we are going to talk Super Bowl 58, the Niners at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we could we could just sort of talk about the game, but I wanted to invite people onto the show, uh, people in on on social media, to give us some of their their Super Bowl traditions. One stood out to me, Bill, and that's on uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, Sean McElveen says, well, my Super Bowl tradition is to drop at least $20 at Banker Bill's house on the Super Bowl squares. I guess that's why he's called Banker Bill. Uh, yep. So, Bill, what I, I know the last few years I've actually watched the Super Bowl at your house. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, Super Bowl traditions that, that you like to go through on Super Bowl Sunday? I, I mean, I like to, I like to have a, a party at my house. Uh, and I like having people over to watch the game and whatnot. I don't really have any traditions. I, I think that if I cared more about the teams that were in the Super Bowl, maybe I would get excited about certain things like, you know, sacrificing a goat or something like that in the backyard. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe like like barbecuing a pig. I, I don't know. It'd be something interesting. But um, any specific I don't know. food that you like eating Not on really. Super Bowl Sunday? Not really. I don't think – I don't really feel – you know what? There was one. I will say this, and this was brought by my uh, – it was my mom that for Super Bowl used to, used to make a pot of chili okay. every every uh, every Super Bowl Sunday. And, and even if I was going somewhere else, like I remember one time I went to my dad's um, when I was a kid to watch Super Bowl, and she sent me with a pot of chili. Like it was, that was kind of the tradition. I think, I think that was probably the one that, that stuck. And I think even now my wife knows that and, and makes a pot of chili on Super Bowl Sunday. So that's, that's kind of a thing. I don't know why. I don't know why that became a thing, but it was. I'll give you mine in a second. We do have some, some comments to read over here. Eric Myers thinks that things that are better than Orlando, the Oakland Coliseum. He also thinks that you couldn't do an all-star midseason with football too physical of a sport. I, I listen, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, but it's probably why people are less interested than they are in, in NBA and MLB All-Star Week um, because you get to see some of that stuff midseason. Not to mention you don't get the stats all the way through if you start midseason because midseason, uh, you know, some of those guys are nowhere near being the, yeah. the pro bowlers that they are. They'll get better later in the year. Uh, listen, Super Bowl, any football game for that matter, give me wings. Wings are my favorite food. Um, I, I got to watch football. I got to get some chicken wings in there. Give me some hot and spicy, some – some some honey mustard, some some sweet barbecue, whatever the case is. I love me some chicken wings. So um, you know, Ryan, ESPN did a poll of twenty five hundred people of different like various questions, Super Bowl traditions and whatnot, and they asked about favorite food for Super Bowl. Chicken wings was number one. Thirty two percent of people that's that's their food for for Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean between that that or a buffalo chicken dip or like a chips and salsa that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, I do like kind of really quickly glancing at the prop bets. I want to know what the prop bet is going to be about how many times the camera pans to Taylor Swift in this game. 
Um, <laughs> I've already seen some of the Super Bowl commercials that are going out. That was always a really big deal for, for years, the Super Bowl commercials. Um, but they started releasing them early, and so it sort of lost its luster there. Yeah, true. Um, but for the one one day a year, we all look forward to watching commercials on Super Bowl Sunday. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's here. It's Super Bowl weekend. The Super Bowl is is what three what five days away at this point. Yeah, very uh, exciting. This, the Super Bowl again. If you if you're watching the show live, or if you've been living under a rock, the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Myers does want to make it clear that he hopes that both teams lose. <laughs> being, a, being a Raiders fan, he can't stand. That's Kansas like rooting City for division. injuries. That's awful. Yeah. Like I just want to see everybody get hurt. I hope this game goes into into eight overtimes and it ends in a tie. Um, Ma- Mama Frick comes in. Always always put a big spread of finger foods, dips, wings. Uh, deviled eggs is a, is a big one that a lot of people like. I don't think Bill likes deviled eggs. He doesn't like the smell. Um, no, I'm addressing out. But, uh, but yeah, so the San Francisco 49ers are a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this year's Super Bowl. It started the week off at two, and the line has moved. If Again, if you're watching the show live on the screen, you can see season stats. Believe it or not, Brock Purdy, the Mr. Irrelevant from the 2022 NFL Draft, had a 113.0 QBR. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes for the season, 92.6. Uh, Purdy had more touchdowns, fewer interceptions, and just slightly more yards than Patrick Mahomes did on the season. Uh, you look at running backs, I think you got to give the edge to the San Francisco 49ers and a guy that can dual threat it like Christian McCaffrey that nobody else can do it like Christian McCaffrey. And despite leading receiver Brandon Ayuk, getting 1,300 yards, if you can believe that, this season. They've also got Debo Samuel on that side of the ball. You've all, I mean, we, we've talked about it numerous times, that the San Francisco 49ers offense is the most dangerous in the NFL as long as everybody stays healthy. Bill, Niners one-and-a-half-point favorite against the Kansas City Chiefs. I still don't believe that the Miami Dolphins are worse than the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs had to go about? through. The Chiefs had to go through the Dolphins in order to get to this game. Bill... Who wins? Um, who wins this game, the Niners or the Chiefs, to win Super Bowl Fifty Eight? You know, it's interesting. You were just breaking down units and saying, okay, if you go to the quarterback passer rating wise, Brock Purdy is the better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes this season, right? It's still Patrick running, Mahomes. Running back wise, clearly the 49ers have the advantage. Receivers, tight ends, offensive line. I mean, Jawan Taylor is the number one. They're, they're starting right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs is the number one flagged, uh, penalized offensive lineman in football. Oh, yeah, and, that's and, right. Yeah. And, I mean, if you go down, you go to defensive lineman. Chris Jones is fantastic. They don't have a tremendous amount of guys around him. Carl Loftus is pretty good. But you've got Bosa. You've got Chase Young. You've got monsters on, this, on the other Jawan end. Jawan Kinlaw. I mean – I mean, the Niners are seven. The you go to their linebackers. Their D-line. Yeah, go to their linebackers, and it gets scarier with the with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I mean, you you got Fred Warner. You've got uh, what's number fifty seven? Is I can Greenwood or what? What is his name? I yeah, Greenwood. Yeah, yeah, Green, he's fantastic. Greenlaw. Greenlaw, Greenlaw, exactly. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I think maybe the only position unit where the Kansas City Chiefs might have an advantage, and this is questionable because Charvarius Ward's a pretty good cornerback, but Legarius Steed is fantastic. Maybe they have an advantage in the secondary. But are you willing to bet against Patrick Mahomes? Are you willing to lay your money down against Patrick Mahomes? I don't think people are. I just they, he scares everybody because somehow the guy figures out how to win. 
So you and, think, and so we you just think- we broke down every position unit, and we will agree that there might be one position unit that San, that Kansas City has a better unit two. than San Francisco. Kelsey at this point in his career is still better than um, so one tight end versus the other tight end, and it's marginal. Yeah. It's yeah, I I would agree there. But that being said, are you taking the Chiefs to beat the Niners? Yeah, yeah. San Francisco shouldn't even be there. They got beat by Green Bay. They, other than on the scoreboard, they got beat by Green Bay. And other than on the scoreboard, they got beat by Detroit. They shouldn't even be there. Uh, Eric said that the Chiefs didn't figure out how to best that Raiders Raider team. So living in this, this past world, the, the, uh, so nobody cares Baker, about that, Eric. Baker Bill has taken the Chiefs. Um, I am so mad. I mean, he's I've met him in person, and I can't think of the 49ers uh, tight end's name. Why can't I say his name? George Kittle. George Kittle, thank George you. George Kittle, he's a rock star. Um, yeah, and he's a big wrestling fan. When you see him, Did you, when you see, see what David Carr his... came out and said? No. If if he said something like if David Carr or if uh, Taylor Swift met George Kittle and Travis Kelsey at the same time, she would have picked the other tight end. That's so funny. He's taking heat over it. <laughs> yeah, I I just uh, to me I love the fact that George Kittle is a wrestling fan because that's where I met him in a wrestling in a wrestling event. Oh jeez. Um, whenever is he, he gets good up at football, big, when he whenever get, gets up after a big play, he does the Sato Miedo thing done by uh, uh, it means zero fear uh, by um, Pentagon Junior, otherwise known as Pinto Pinto El Sato Miedo. Yeah. Um, Katie nobody, wants to nobody know. Nobody knows if, that Ryan. Katie wants to know if George Kittle is hot. Um, that is, I mean, you want to put up a show. picture? I, this is I don't, not I don't the know. Show. This is not the show to ask that question, Katie. <laughs> this is not the show to ask Ryan that question. Ryan is comfortable enough in his manhood to determine whether or not George Kittle is a good-looking man or not. I don't want to disparage say, the guy because he's a great I would dude. Say he's, no. he's awesome. I, I would say no, but I, I think, honestly, if I'm going to choose one over the other based on hotness, I, I think Travis Kelsey's a better-looking man. I'm, I'm comfortable, Ryan. I can say that. Katie. All right. So Bill's taking <laughs> Kansas City. I'm taking San Francisco. Listen, San Francisco 49ers would have been in the Super Bowl last year. And the San Francisco 49ers would have won the Super Bowl last year had Brock Purdy not gotten hurt in the NFC Championship game. Questions yep. coming into the season. What will Brock Purdy look like yep. off of the Tommy John-like surgery? All he did was throw for over 4,000 yards, 31 interceptions, 11 in, or 31 touchdowns. 11 interceptions. He did what he needed to do. All of his weapons are healthy. People, Debo Samuel left the, the uh, divisional round game uh, against the Packers. Came back in the NFC Championship game. All he did was lead the team in receiving uh, with that shoulder injury. Brandon Ayuk led the team in receiving yards on the season with over 1,300. I mean, there's not a weakness on the offense for the San Francisco 49ers unless someone gets hurt. And all with, with everything else... Uh, unaffected, if the Niners can stay healthy this entire game, they are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, not by a point and a half. They will beat the Chiefs by 14 or more in this game. Wow. The San Francisco 49ers, as much as I hate to say it because they beat my Lions to get to this point. Do you not remember what the Baltimore Ravens did to the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara? You know, speaking of the – yes, I remember what happened. However, this game isn't in Santa Clara. It's in Las Vegas. You know, you know those guys from Kansas City are gonna be out partying. Uh, Andy Reid's gonna be look gonna be out looking for nuggies at, at midnight. He loves them nuggies to, to talk nuggies. about, you know, bundling. Tell me about those um, nuggies. Tell me about the tell me, tell me, but this time use them nuggies. Um yeah. 
but yeah, I just, I like the Niners, man. Uh, again, rooting for them because they have two former Gamecocks on the roster. Oh, uh, there's the real for, answer. There's the real rooting. Forget I was football, rooting them last season. Happened. Yeah. But they, they win this game walking away. It's not close. You mentioned the Ravens. I didn't even get to talk about the fact that Jadavian Clowney had a breakout season, uh, a, a resurgent season with the Ravens, and he's a Is that your Homer's corner, Ryan? Is that your Homer's no, corner? No, it's not. It's not. But I'm glad you brought up Homer's corner because that was a great transition. Oh, there you go. This week's show because Bill loves the fact that all my Homer's corner has nothing to do with football and nothing will be different this week. I'm talking college baseball, <laughs> ladies and Dude, gentlemen. That's I'm right. muting myself. Yes, please mute yourself. Because I get to talk about one of my favorite pastimes in all of sports, and that's college baseball. College baseball tips off, or the first pitch goes out next week. The college, the USA Today college baseball poll uh, for preseason has released. Wake Forest sits at the number one spot. Behind them, I believe, four or, or five SEC teams in the top ten. LSU at two. Your Florida Gators sit at three. Uh, other names, other teams to, to, to note, the Clemson Tigers sit at number nine. Texas A&M rounds out the top 10. Uh, South Carolina sits at 21 on the season, but South Carolina was one of the hottest teams in baseball last year until their weekend rotation got hurt. Uh, and then the wheels fell off, and I don't believe they made it out of the regionals. Uh, but I, I made it clear on multiple occasions talking baseball as Bankerville changes his background to, to be Florida versus sucking on football. Um, the MLB season is too long. It's hard to pay attention to 182 games in the Major League Baseball. College baseball does it right. You get a weekend series, three-game weekend. Every now and then you throw a midweek game in, and the college baseball season, it feels like it means more because you've got every single series means something in college baseball. So if you've never watched college baseball before and you're listening or watching this show, make sure you pay attention next week because college baseball is some of the most exciting baseball that you will ever watch especially in the States college baseball tips or, or I don't want to call it tips off first pitch is next week. And that being said, Baker bill, what is your homer's corner? Well, I'm going to go back to the, the, uh, the sport that Topic we like to show. do our show about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill loves dog and me. It's for, not, for talking it's not that I don't watch other sports. Clearly. I mean, I've got New York Rangers you got a hockey hat, hat on. on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's hockey season. Uh, but, Man, the UFL announced their schedule this week, and I'm ready to go. What I don't have this season, I'm going to have to find one, and it might be because like, we'll eventually do this breakdown, right? I assume you and I are going to do a primer like we did last year. We don't have to do two leagues this year. We just have to do one, and it's only eight teams again, and we know a little bit more about the teams. We might even remember some of the players. That would be pretty fun. But mm -hmm. uh, the UFL kicks off its season in March, so Saturday, March 30th, and what I really like about the schedule, Ryan, is that they are going to play at their home team stadiums. We're not playing in pods like the USFL did. And they're playing on Saturdays and Sundays. So we're going to have a whole weekend of football every weekend, two games each day. And I mean, I'm excited about it. And, and you've got the first game of the season, first game of the season. We'll just talk about this one game because I, I haven't picked my team yet. I'm not sure yet. Because my team last year was the Orlando Orlando's Guardians, gone, yeah. and they're gone. So I don't have any teams that I really care that much about. But the first game of the season is the USFL champion versus the XFL champion in Arlington. So it's going to be the Birmingham Stallions at the Arlington Renegades Saturday, March 30th. First game of the season. It's going to be the kickoff 
of this new terribly named football league because there used to be a UFL and now there's another one. Do you remember the Orlando Apollos? That they were in the previous UFL version. I wish we yeah. could get that one back. I'd have somebody to root for. Steve Spurrier was the uh, coach of that team, by the way. But anyway, you're gonna have to help me since you, I don't. You still have a team. I mean, you still have your Roughnecks are still sticking around. So. I need to figure out. I might be a DC Defenders fan. I'm not sure. I think that's the closest I, one if we wanted to go to a game. I haven't decided yet. First of all, your your daughter is super excited about more football. Come on. Yes. And yes, uh, she and very Eric, much is. Eric Myers back in the chat, not going to touch those NASCAR TV ratings as, you know, coming from the guy who works for NASCAR. Yeah. No, next week, I'm glad you talked about the Uf, UFL schedule because next week in our season five football finale, we are going to talk UFL. We are going to preview what we can expect out of the UFL, discuss how the UFL came about with the merger of the XFL and the USFL. And there are going to be some players that we recognize from last season, along with some players that are not returning to the UFL uh, for their own personal reasons. But I'm with you, man. The winner of the USFL and the XFL championships uh, squaring off in week one of the UFL season. Very exciting. Uh, is, is super exciting. Uh, Bill, we went long again tonight, but this is the penultimate show for season five. Penultimate, uh, you sort of. You, you you sort of gotta <laughs> gotta understand anything you want to you want to shout out before we end tonight's show. No, I mean I think, uh, my daughter seems to have hung out the entire or at least most of the show tonight. That's a first for her. So I appreciate her hanging out. Also, Eric, Eric just went on the road. You she always participates. Really appreciate that. So everybody that hung around tonight, hung out with us. Um, Super Bowl preview show that we really didn't even preview the Super Bowl, although Ryan is going to be wrong. Kansas City's going to win the Super Bowl. Mark my words. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be wrong on this. The, the oh, yeah. Niners. The, the Niners going to win the Super Bowl. Haven't Niners done that are... in a while. <laughs> wrong again, Ryan. Wrong again, yeah. Ryan. Listen. No, <laughs> listen. Listen. Uh, no, yeah. I the, the music came in a little early. Sorry about that. But – um. Way to yeah, go, right? <laughs> you're I, doing the you. uh, the old Academy Award thing. Get off the stage, Bill. You're yeah, done. Yeah, this is this is this is the the, the sign off music. Yeah, shout out to both Katie and Eric who did join the show. Shout out to Baker Bill Senior for actually coming in and yeah. physically being. I actually had on the in the a live tonight. studio audience tonight. How cool! He actually sat over here on the coffee table. Well, you didn't see him for a while. He was sitting back there and actually chirping at me, telling me what he thought about what I was saying. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Um, good stuff. I yeah, and your studio audience scared me into thinking that I had a studio audience. I start looking around, like, who the hell is in my house? Because I live alone, right? So I'm just I'm thinking that somebody has broken into my house, and uh, and yeah. So nevertheless, yes, thank you for everyone, specifically Eric and Katie. They were the ones who stayed participated. Also, Mama Frick uh, was in the house tonight. So a lot of a lot of good conversation here. Uh, folks, this is why we do it. Uh, if you want to come and join the, the season finale of the show, uh, we're going to sort of break down the NFL season. We're going to talk. Uh, we're obviously going to recap the Super Bowl. We're going to look forward to the UFL season. Any breaking news we'll talk about here on the show as well. But then we're going to, Frank and Bill and I are going to take a much needed and much deserved break. And we're going to come back about a week or two prior to the UFL season kickoff. And we're going to talk about that. We're also going to have the final episode. We didn't have a, an episode this week. We're going to have a final wrestling episode this coming Monday with PJ, Steven, and I are going to be sort of talking. I think we're going to do a part one, like a, like a half and half show where we're going to do part of his 1997 shows uh, where we went back in, the, in PJ, Steven's time machine to talk some WWF 1997. And then we're going to sort of look ahead and preview and speculate about WrestleMania. 
whether or not we're going to get The Rock versus Roman Reigns or we're going to get something else. We're going to have our final wrestling show of the week. But what you can continue to listen to is The Cat Cave over on Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel or the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, powered by the Fans First Sports Network, where Shannon Smith, Michael Davis, and I are always talking Carolina Panthers football every single week. We will continue to do so. We are not taking a break, despite the fact that the Panthers season has been over since October. Thanks, everybody who is part of the show, whether you watch it on Facebook.com slash touchdowns, whether you watch it on YouTube, whether you watch it on Twitter, wherever you watch. Thanks for joining us on this live show. We'll see you next week for the season five finale of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. For Baker Bill, it's your guy, Bully Rye, and we will see you next week right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns.